Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up, Ray Horton will join us. He's the head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers in the USFL. Former defensive coordinator in the NFL. Former NFL player as well at safety. He's done a lot. He's a man Won that's a done Super Bowl a lot. As a player and a coach, he joins us coming up in hour number three. Hour number two underway, Chad, and what's been a fast-paced show so this far. This show has flown by so far. Our goal when we kick off things at 3 o'clock Eastern is to get you to 6 o'clock Eastern as fast as possible. We are streaking through this show. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, coming up, we'll discuss uh, the Saudis and uh, the, the idea that college football could be next for investment. We touched on it yesterday. They're already investing in tennis, and that's, I think, the logical jump for the individual sport. Uh, but as far as investment and control is concerned, coming up in a, a couple of minutes, our, our thoughts on uh, a column at The Athletic. Uh, the, well, so the, the Qatari, uh, just looking at what they've done before we get into that, the Qatari Wealth Management Fund, whatever it is, recently invested in some D.C. sports teams. Wizards, Caps. 5% ownership. Mystics. Yep. Got a small piece of that. Um, what we've seen so far in, in regards to team sports with the private investment fund really only extends to some Formula One teams and to uh, Newcastle in the English Premier League. And they've got a majority stake in, in, that, in that club. So we haven't, to your point, Hutton, we're seeing an effort in international individual sports, sports that have an international appeal. So we'll get into this a little bit later. If it's something specifically American, that would be a reach based on what we've seen so far from the private investment fund. So something to keep in mind. But money that I don't think leagues or, or individual owners are going to turn down or, or have turned down that you know, would be a headline that you just haven't seen or heard about uh, because it could have happened a couple of years ago where billionaire owners are already a part of investments in other things that include the same type of funds that the live tour players have been crucified over. Um, that, that's, and the, I think the other thing to fall would be, are we going to see in, in what Major League Baseball is playing a game in London? You've got uh, uh, the, the NFL playing in Germany, already in London, in Mexico City. Reports are they want to go to China. They want to play more global uh, matchups and games. Would they be playing a game in, in Jeddah? For instance, in you know the next five to ten years, I mean, got a situation where you've got preseason games already being played in certain sports in in Saudi or Saudi invested elements of that. So, well, the live PGA merger makes all of this stuff far easier, no doubt, to sell if you're another sports entity. You're right, you're right, and tennis makes a ton of sense. College football, though, uh, again, coming up a couple minutes more further thoughts on that. Chad, the, uh, the NFL has suspended Cam Robinson, the, the franchise left tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
he's been suspended for a violation of the performance enhancing drug policy. And I'm trying to confirm how long the suspension is. Oh, look at that, is. a non-gambling related suspension. I know, yeah, That's a I breath know. of fresh air. Yeah, um, let's see. It will confirm that four games is the violation for the PED policy. It's interesting because DeAndre Hopkins was suspended last year, six games, tried to appeal and get it down to four, and then just accepted the six-game suspension. I don't know if this is the appeal that's just now getting out and they've reduced it to four, or if it was four to begin with, but... Jacksonville, I mentioned yesterday, they didn't plan on starting a single rookie on opening day, on, on opening weekend. They can now because they used their first-round pick on a left tackle. Uh, their, their left tackle of the future is uh, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. So they're set, even though Cam Robinson has been suspended for the first month of the season. The Big Ten set, regardless if they add any more teams, Oregon, Washington, uh, that also ties in Ray Horton, by the way, star safety or star corner and uh, kick returner, I should say, at Washington in his college days. Um, you know, rumors are they're moving to the Big Ten as soon as possible. The Big Ten isn't looking to add Pac-12 teams or programs, Chad, until we see it go officially under. But blood's in the water. And why would you wait on a new rights agreement to take place and have programs and universities locked into that long-term, maybe not long-term, maybe it's a short-term agreement. Whenever you can have a team join and announce it now for practically no buyout whatsoever. I don't think any league... Are they trying not to look like the instigator in this? Well, this is my interpretation of this headline. Yes, there's not a single conference out there that wants to be seen as the murderer of another entire league. The implosion. It's not even an implosion. It, you, you bombed them. Like If you went and took Washington and Oregon right now, you destroyed many, many years of the Pac-10 slash Pac-12 in doing so, but and by you now, are the undertaker. You're the now, one who took them. Couldn't we argue, though, that they did it to themselves already, and uh, they're coming you in could, because but I, they're I available? Do, I do think this is an honor amongst thieves yeah. type prophecy that we will take someone who comes to us when it makes business sense – but we took these two teams. We don't want to finish finish them off and kill them because we don't want to be seen as the bad guy. And, and the quote, and that goes for any league. Now, if they decide if their business falls apart on their own, they can't get a TV deal, and then it's it shows that everybody's trying to bolt. Then yeah, we'll take the leftovers, and we want to get the juiciest leftovers. We want to get what? the prime leftovers. The yeah. We want to go out in the back of the dumpster of the Michelin star restaurant. And get those leftovers and not the ones from the fast food joint. Yeah, the bread that's thrown so out So we Panera. want Washington and Oregon yeah. from that conference. But we're not going to be the one to blow them up. They're going to have to do it themselves. Well, and, and the quote expresses that uh, immediately. And I, it's, uh, it's brutal honesty. Again, I, I wish people would just go on the record with it because it's not, you know, it's not uh, behind-the-scenes info. I think... It, everyone would tend to agree with what's being said here on the condition of anonymity. Uh, but according to Saturday tradition, and this is the, that you can read all of this and the details at outkick.com through Hookstead, uh, an unnamed Big Ten AD told Saturday tradition, quote, the marching orders from the conference university presidents is to not raid the Pac-12 until it's abundantly clear the conference already has been mortally wounded. To me, this just comes down to, are we going to see the four teams that have been rumored to go to the Big 12 bolt? Namely, let's start with Colorado. 
the two Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona State, and then Utah. That's the mortal wound, right? That's the, the Civil War battle wound where it takes a couple of days, but everything sets in, and it's another casualty on the battlefield. That's the mortal wound that I think they're referring to. But isn't it already mortally wounded? The yeah, teams that are going to bolt for the yes, money are, and, and to yes stay and afloat no. and be a part of the power conference or conferences moving forward are going to leave anyway because there's no reason to stay based on the status quo. Well, there's two, there's two possible mortal wounds. One is what you said, those four corner states, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, all bolting for the, for the Big 12. Or they just say, we can't get a good media rights deal. Or they yeah. sign a media rights deal that's so bargain basement below everyone else that it forces everyone to say, we can't do this. We can't sustain with a lack of TV money to this level. Then they decide to leave. Let it's me one also, of those two things. Let me also throw in this theory. If you're Oregon, let's just use Oregon only right now because we know USC and UCLA are leaving. If you're Oregon and the setup is currently the way it is and it's agreed to based on the television rights agreements and everything with the expanded college football playoff we know the champions of the conferences that are going to get in guaranteed then you have the highest ranked team from the non-power five players that will also get a spot in the 12. if you're oregon what incentive do you have based on the money that would be going to you and the conference is it more financially beneficial just on the short term i'm saying to you know, hold your water, keep the powder dry, know that you're leaving, but in the meantime, over the next couple of years, be a part of the expanded college football playoff that's not a guarantee, but you're in the mix and you have a great shot at doing so, regardless of record, because of the powerhouse that you are in the Pac-12 of who's remaining, instead of joining what the Big Ten is going to be, which is one of the two that are running all things athletics, but you still have a seat at the table, and we're specifically mentioning football. Short term, a couple of years here. Yeah, and the Oregon example, right? There's going to come a time where programs will have to decide, do we stay in this lesser Power 5 conference and dominate? Right. And be and the top we? dog and be have the ability to, to recruit at a level above and beyond every opponent in our conference and play in that 12-team playoff regularly versus, man, we're teetering on not being a Power 5 conference. Right. Like, what's the value in dominating the AAC or Conference USA? But what would, what would it take? Because there's going to come a time where those low-end Power 5s, if enough people left, they're going to be that. So then it's, well, do we go here and we're the middle of the pack of this great well, conference? Or do we stay here and we're top dog in a much lesser conference? But I, I think, and again, we're just looking at it through the Oregon purview here. Well, I'm you also just looking value. at it from a competitive standpoint, but, not money. But, it, but even from a, exactly. But even from a competitive standpoint, if you know the breakoff is going to happen, the value with Oregon is there to where they know they're going to get the invite to join. If the breakoff happens. The, college football, if you have the haves and the have-nots, and if you have a the power two or whatever that breaks off into 60 teams or whatever it ends up being. Oregon's a part of that class, and they know it. And in the meantime, you can still rake in cash and be a part of a playoff system where you benefit from the model that's in place because of the power five, not the power two. And you know USC and UCLA are already going. It feels like we're getting closer and closer to this uniform structure of college football at the highest level that's going to feature about 60 teams, and they're going to yeah. be in regions of the country. 
the SEC may still be the SEC by title, but it's really just the regional focus of major college football versus everyone else. Chad, what piqued your interest the most in the, the piece at The Athletic about Saudis and whether or not college football is next on the investment checklist for the fund that has certainly taken over golf, is rumored to be wanting to control tennis even more so than what they do, and that already does that within the UFC, within F1, and other sports. So David Ubbin, a good friend of the show, writes for The Athletic, wrote this piece, and in it he interviewed five different athletic directors, and he got a very different answer from all of them, and the question was about what happens if the private investment fund decides that college football is their next battleground, and they're going to invest in individual programs, how would that work? Some very interesting responses. There are some ADs who say the privates, the private schools won't do it because it will ruin their reputation by taking this Saudi money. And that from the school standpoint, they, they won't do it. They'll draw a line in the sand, however you want to phrase it. Mm-hmm. But did say that there's going to be plenty of other schools, maybe some state schools out there that decide, hey, if you want to justify something today, you can justify it. You know, regardless, there's other people doing it. So you can say, yeah, we justify it this way. But a large percentage of the people, Hutton, were saying the most likely scenario is if the private investment fund came to Michigan State and said, we want to take over Michigan State football. We want to build new facilities for you. <laughs> we want to do this and that. You know, and I'm, I'm, I, the, I know. The, the article did not bring up Michigan State. I'm just using them as an example. You pulled them. Yeah. That the first response from Michigan State or most ADs interviewed – they said their response would be, let me direct you to our collective. Don't worry about the athletic department. We can separate the university from this. If you want to make us dominant, let's partner with the collective, have a stake in that, and see if we can transform this program into a national power based on the money we have invested from Saudi Arabia and the private investment fund. That was something I did not immediately think about, was getting involved in NIL and collectives for schools, but just the hypothetical of the private investment fund as some grand experiment to come into this country and say, Northwestern, you are going to be Alabama. You are going to be Clemson. We are going to just plow you with money. That new football facility you got, add two levels onto that. This dilapidated old stadium that you play in right now, Let's make that a state-of-the-art palace. Let's also give to the collective here. Let's go get the top players in America, and let's turn Northwestern into a power. Hutton, what a case study that would be Two if things. we saw that in college football. I, I believe we're already seeing it. We just don't know it. The oil money involved in some of the collectives already. I mean, that, that was the, you know, that's the tongue-in-cheek joke with Texas A&M and the money they're spending, right? Yeah. The, the money they have available. Who's to say that they already don't have a hand in that? And it's not necessarily individuals as much as it is corporations or companies that are involved in collectives and donating as it is uh, through you know uh, uh, American boosters. Yeah. Now, but keep in mind, this is this is different. What he's talking well, about. But here's this is a here's my the head of the private investment fund is going to be there on game days. They want to be in on a conference here's, or a school. Here's the next level discussion to have though. We just had a, a, a quick chat about where we're headed in the power conferences. 
if they want to own the sport, fund the new league with the 60 teams. Yeah. And then pay the players and come up with the structure and the commissioner and everything else you want. And with the popularity of the sport here, you're going to get the viewership. Like, it's no different than the live tour players that were competing at the Masters. You're still tuning in regardless of what they're getting paid and who's cutting the check. If we're really headed to a different shelf for college football fandom and uh, a business, that's the area they could come in and own based on the you know, the boatload of cash. It would be available. a lot more they money. I do think that if they came in to just invest in one program, it would almost be satirical. It would be them almost making a yeah. joke of it and a mockery and saying, we could just purchase a college football program and make them great overnight. That's how much money we possess. And it would be, it'd be fun to watch. It'd Isn't be it crazy, crazy but is... it would be fun to watch to think about someone who historically has never done well I know. in college football being transformed overnight with Saudi money. Satirical J.J. Watt's announcement that he's going to CBS? No, it was awful. That's next. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Former NFL defensive coordinator Ray Horton will join us in an hour. He's the head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers, coaching in the championship game for the USFL. It's coming up this weekend against Birmingham. NBC and Peacock have that at 8 o'clock Eastern on Saturday evening. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on. Chad, uh, Larry Donald's fighting in the, uh, the main event of Friday night fights here at 6th and Peabody. He's about to join us after weighing in. Uh, but first... We uh, weighed in and gave our opinion that we thought J.J. Watt would be a no-brainer for CBS, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they're going to use him in any way that they choose, and he's going to be a home run. Uh, the announcement, the way he announced that he was joining CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, uh, not a home run. Because he announces this not just uh, through this video and audio that we're about to play, but also on social as if he's joining consumer value stores, CVS, instead of CBS. Quick bit of news for you on a uh, Thursday morning. Uh, I just got a job at CVS. <laughs> so he announces that and he spells it out too in his tweet. He then, <laughs> he then has to backtrack. And I, I want to know where you come down on this, Jack, because I, I feel uh, I, I'm on both sides of this. This is awful, but at the same time, this is a great example of how to fall on the sword not delete a tweet, and then release this video. A little pro tip out there for anybody starting a new job. Uh, <laughs> don't screw up the announcement. It's not a good way to start your first day on the job. 
especially if that job is at a global network <laughs> with millions and millions of viewers, hundreds of Emmys. It's, you just want to start off on a better foot. I will be working at CBS this fall. <laughs> he was on the hat the whole time. I really should have known. Um, but I am extremely excited to be joining JB, Coach, Boomer, Phil, and Nate. Uh, talk a little NFL this fall, talk a little life, have a global platform to make fun of my brothers on. It really is uh, a great opportunity. I'm very much looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to talking NFL with all you fans this fall and hopefully giving you some knowledge, giving you a little experience and maybe some laughs along the way. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to join CBS. Let's have ourselves some fun. It sounds like he lives in paradise, by the way. The birds chirping in the background. Sure I don't know where his home is, but that was a beautiful <laughs> backdrop for the announcement. That's bad. I, I thought it was like uh, an intended comedy routine where he was going to compare CBS and CVS, but no. saying CVS and then did he do it on Instagram Live? Like, why do they not? No, he I don't just, understand why he posted that. He posted it with a tweet that said, I'll be joining CVS. Uh, big announcement, I'm, I'm joining CVS. And then had to, again, he didn't delete anything. He just, he owned it, which I appreciate. It, Does I, he not know that it's CVS? Well, I, he's I'm, wearing the hat and all that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's got to But he know. also put CVS in the, in the tweet. tweet. I know. And said CVS? Yes. I think he thinks it's video. CVS. I think, I think so, too. And that... Makes me think less of J.J. Watt. But I think more of it because he owned it, though. Like he but, did. yeah, owning it is one thing, but, and dude, he's, at least, you, he's able to joke about it. You were on oh, CBS I, I every Sunday. I know. You've signed a contract, or your <laughs> reps have, to be on CBS. I think he just thought, like, TV, CVS. He thought the V, and he put that in there. Or maybe he's never seen it, and he just heard it over and over. He was wearing the CBS sports hat, not C, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> He's right. It's a bad way to start your tenure with a media company. At least he could joke about it. It would be like uh, Brady saying FX instead of Fox. Look, I like having a sense of humor about something like that, but it does yeah. make me question just how good J.J. Watt's going to be on TV that he didn't oh, know it great. was CBS. I think he's going to be great because he's willing to play the clown as well now. He's going to do everything, Chad. I know. I, I, he's the court gesture. But you, you do understand what I'm saying. Like Misspeaking is one thing. No doubt. You could say it and say, of course I know it's CBS. I misspoke. But when you tweet it out, CVS, and say CVS, that dude doesn't know it's CBS when he said the initial I thing. I don't think he does either. I don't think he does either. That's wild to me. They get him for the Super Bowl year, though. CBS with the Super Bowl. But I mean, what uh, poll question, Matt, for the YouTube chat. Yeah. What percentage of Americans <laughs> does everyone think knows what CBS is and that it's CBS, the letter B as in boy? Because I'm yeah. guessing it's over 95%. And then this man uh, gave the commencement address at Wisconsin. And he tried to give everyone a beer, and they wouldn't let him. Yeah. That part makes more sense now. Larry Donald joins us uh, in studio. Just weighed in. Friday night fights, uh, the professional uh, boxing bouts that are taking place here at 6th and Peabody, our home studio, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Massive hit last year. Larry joined us in studio a year ago. He's back in the main event this year, Limitless Larry Donald, in the uh, – lightweight division and i mean one in a landslide uh, a year ago by knockout back again after weighing in larry good to see you man hope things are well yeah good to see y'all how y'all great man uh once again weighing in how how was the weight cut uh, it was good wasn't too bad it's yeah. uh brutal 
is what I, is the way I would describe yeah, it every not, time. Yeah, it's not a fun process, but, you know, it's, it's part of it. You know, I'd, I'd be fine with, you know, same-day weigh-ins like they did in the 80s and, you know, before then, but now it's kind of like, you know, you want to get down to a small weight and then rehydrate and all that stuff. So it's just kind of kind of the name of the game Props right now. You, What's yeah. in this bag right here that you brought in right after the weigh-in? Um, Just all the, the best drinks, you know what I'm saying, get hydrated, waters, you know, sports drinks, electrolytes, stuff like that. Larry Donald with us. He's a uh, professional boxer, trainer, uh, and, and, and much more. Would you rather train Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg for the, uh, for the, uh, the rumored fight? Probably, probably Elon. Why is that? I don't know. I feel, like he's, he's, um, I feel like he has more in his bag. You know what I'm saying? I feel like he has like, a different level of intensity. I've seen both of them train a little bit, but I think Elon has like, a little bit more that, you know, you wanna, you wanna, see, that he can pull out. I think, Chad, you agree with this too. But Zuckerberg is the favorite right now in Vegas if they were to fight today. Because he's got the training, right? He's done the Brazilian jiu-jitsu for years now. But everyone would lean towards Elon Musk. Well, Elon, this is what I want to know because Elon's a lot bigger. He's like 50 pounds heavier and a good four or five inches taller. So what can you mold out of that, Larry? Someone who's trained also. You've trained other people. Yeah. And you train yourself. Like when you have the size or the reach, even if you don't have the training, how much of an advantage is that? Um, it, it size in reach is an advantage too, but I do feel like, um, they're both smart guys, but I, like I said, I think from like a mental aspect, I feel like, you know, Elon can pull more out of, you know, what it takes to be a martial artist. You know what I'm saying? Even though Zuck has been training, he's been doing some, you know, jujitsu and stuff like that. I've seen him, but yeah, I feel like it'd be, you know, more advantage to Elon. Are you wanting to see this or, mm-hmm. or is this, uh, something that you, you know, is too gimmicky for you based on uh, your occupation? I mean, I think it's the biggest gimmick, you know, that, that you could like, this is the gimmick of all gimmicks, but I mean, you know, you would want to be on the card though. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot, <laughs> a lot of people will watch it and Hey, why not? You know? So yeah. Uh, yeah. Jake Paul and, uh, Nate Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a landslide for Jake Paul based on what you've seen or is Nate um, Diaz stand a chance here? Because no one else has from the, the UFC department. I definitely think Nate has underrated boxing ability he did you know he used to spar with Andre Ward back in the day which you know Andre Ward is you know yeah. one, one of the underrated goats and you know he has a gas tank you know he does he does you know triathlons all the time but I feel like Jake does have a big advantage with him being younger and you know he's he's super young he's he's taking boxing serious and he is he is training a lot so he definitely has um advantage on that but I think you know if if Nate can drag it you know taking deep waters he'll have a little bit more of an advantage then so I think I think Jake if it stops early Jake will win the later in the fight he gets, I think Nate has a better chance. So uh, I just got done watching Creed three for the second time. And uh, watching this movie, I think, how quickly does an actual boxer dismiss a boxing movie for not looking and being realistic? Or do you watch them and enjoy them like the rest of us that aren't in the fight game? Or do you think immediately, Larry, man, this is just too difficult to believe? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I feel like for the first two, they definitely stayed within, you know, the realm of boxing, you know what I'm saying? It was, you know, believable and stuff. The thir- third one was a little bit of a stretch with some of the things, but, you know, um, I, I I like the Creed franchise and what they do with boxing. They, they keep it, you know, somewhat, you know, believable. Is the biggest stretch the guy coming out of prison at his age and immediately <laughs> competing for the world heavyweight t- title? Yeah, yeah, especially because, you know, he didn't really have, you know, in the first movie Creed was, you know, he was 15 and 0, like in the, in the underground, you know, scene, yeah. but you know, he's technically only one to know, but he was Apollo Creed's son for this one. You know, the dude just came out of prison and, you know, even, even if you do know who the current champ is, it wouldn't really just happen like that. But, you know, maybe, you know, some social media wise could blow you up now, but and make it happen. But yeah, that, that was a bit of a stretch. Larry Donald with us main event for TriStar boxing Friday night fights here at sixth and Peabody in music city coming up tomorrow. Uh, I commend you guys that the the grind 
you know, behind the scenes, not the, the marquee matchups on pay-per-view, but the grind for uh, promotions like this. And I, I was blown away with how awesome it was and entertaining for oh, yeah. the entire fight card last year. Yeah, I'm right. expecting that again. And I mean, let's be honest here too. I, 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 I didn't bet against you last year, but I, yeah. you, you were apprehensive to say you were going to win. I don't know what, uh, who you're fighting. I don't think it matters based on what I saw a year ago yeah. from you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. You know, it's like these are the fights that you know I, I'd continue to prove, improve, and get better every single fight because you know I do see myself fighting on bigger cards, fighting you know in Vegas and Cali, and you know, so you know I just got to show up and just continue to be myself and get better every single fight. Why do you love fighting? Man, I don't know. I, I just love it. It's just the, the competition. What it's just something inside me. I can't really explain why I do it exactly. Um, it's, it's Are most not, guys like that that do this, or is it just uh, you know just environment that you grew up in? Like I, I admire you guys because I yeah. would not do it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's, there's so many people buy for some different reasons. Some people do it solely for money. Some people come in to get a check, and some people come in because it's what they did and grown up as a kid. For me. You know, I didn't start boxing till I was 17. I didn't turn pro until I was 30. So I had a late start on, on all things, you know, and I feel like I'm just now hitting my stride with everything that I'm doing. TriStarBoxing.com for more information. Larry Donald's going to get it done again in the main event tomorrow evening uh, here at 6th and Peabody. Good to see you, man. Get hydrated. I know you hate doing these on weigh-in days. <laughs> You've done it two years in a row with us, and uh, that's why we're, we've got your back. We've absolutely. got you in the corner. The hydration awaits you. At some Appreciate point, it. we want to be a part of the walkout Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with you to the ring, which was uh, extraordinary last year. Yeah, Maybe yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll carry you out like a pharaoh. Hey, uh, <laughs> Chad will uh, carry you out. Like Can I play an electric guitar behind you for the music? Yeah. Did you walk <laughs> out yeah. also? you got to be a guitar, yeah, for yeah. sure. Good to see you, man. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Larry Donald there. You can follow him on uh, social at Larry underscore Donald. We won't uh, step in the ring, but we could be a hype man. Oh, we could step in the ring. We Jack. could be LD's Here we could. man. Yeah, we could step in the ring. It wouldn't look great. No. Uh, it wouldn't be great for us we either. We quickly exit the ring. But I'd love to be a hype man. That that would be the extent of my ability. Imagine us in the, the corner game. with Larry giving advice in between rounds. I would just want to hype up the crowd. I, I wouldn't. I couldn't tell Larry anything, but I'd love to just turn around and like get people going during the fight. Uh, hit us up. Uh, good to see you. Hit us up on uh, social, and you can join us in the chat on YouTube uh, with uh, searching out Outkick. Hope you'll subscribe to the channel. Uh, I've, saw, I've noticed in the chat about the uh, the discussion about Saudi money and college football. We're not advocating for it. We're just saying, like, if they want to buy the sport, that's how they would do it, which would be to fund the super conference that everyone's discussing and more or less buy the superpowers because they've got enough money and, and uh, the monetary assets to make it happen. And that's just the unfortunate reality of it. I, I would hope that someone would step in and do something. But, Chad, who knows where we're headed with all of this? And that's the wide-open gate that the NCAA has no control over currently. Yeah, and it, it, would, it would be a, a, a reach based on what we've seen the private investment fund invest in already. They've invested in more international sports. This is a uniquely and specifically American enterprise in college football. So it is a bit of a stretch to think that now they're suddenly going to be interested in that when they've been invested in very international sports like soccer, Formula One, golf, and tennis thus far. But the it one difference just is feels the TV like contract, a hobby. But the, the TV contract's built into it, where they're not having to create something to then purchase it. You would be purchasing something that's already built in for you. Model, but, if you I mean, but if you're talking about investment, everyone in college sports believes the bubble has burst on TV contracts. Except and the for, next one's only going to go down. But except for what, though? That those that will be in this group? Maybe. 
they can pull them. But I'm saying it's still probably going to be per school less than what they've been getting with the conference agreements before. So, look, I, I it's, a, it's a fun hypothetical. Not fun. It's an interesting yeah, it's, hypothetical uh, to think about. What if they just went to an individual program and said, we want to be the right. owner of this. We want to be the T. Boone Pickens to Oklahoma State. We want to be the Phil Knight to Oregon. We want to own yeah. Wake Forest Demon Deacons football. We want to be the NCAA to Or we want to recreate the U and, you know, see a John Ortiz. Yeah. We're now the owners of Miami Hurricanes football or whatever the school is, and not just that one sport, but the entire athletic department, how quickly they could build the Taj Mahal of facilities and invest millions in NIL mon- money in collectives to bring in the best possible talent in each sport. How quickly could they turn someone over? I think pretty quick. Yeah. Coming up, we'll get into Chris Jones. Jones Stradamus, uh, the defensive tackle for Kansas City, who has predicted things accurately for his team. He's got a big prediction for himself in 2023. On a scale of doesn't matter to why even just not admit it to begin with, there's a headline that Wimbanyana who was billed as at seven feet, five inches is actually seven, three and some change. And I'm thinking like, why is this coming out after the draft? All of the, you know, everything is overanalyzed for the NFL. And we've got a seven foot five guy. That's actually seven, three, not that it matters, but I'm thinking like, we're sitting here on June 29th and that's a headline across sports right now. I bet the Spurs knew. And you know what the Spurs still did? (laughs) They drafted him number one overall. Did not cost him that number one pick, that inch and a half. Follow Chris Jones' advice. We'll give examples next on Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up in just over 30 minutes, Ray Horton will join us, former defensive coordinator in the NFL, now head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers. That's important because they have a championship game. He can win his fourth title professionally. It'll be his third as a coach, first as a head coach, and his uh, title with the Cowboys, I believe, was the 1992-93 season is when he won the Super Bowl as a defensive coach. Defensive player safety uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Again, that's coming up later on uh, Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. He's playing a budding dynasty in the USFL. Good, yeah. Or he has, to, he has to take one down. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the, <laughs> he could. They could become it, Chad. This could be their time. Pittsburgh could take over. This that, could be their time. That that slogan. Um, Chris Jones. I didn't know he was so great at predicting the future. 
he picks his spots very well. Uh, defensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs. Friend of the show, uh, Pete Sweeney, uh, Chad, who we know well at, at, in, in KC, covers the Chiefs and does a great job. Jones Stradamus is uh, what they call Chris Jones, and here's why. Uh, he, had, he's, he has a knack for predicting when the Chiefs are going to dominate. Um, January 21st, 2018 was his first prediction. Defensive tackle, he watched the Patriots take on the Jaguars in the AFC Championship game. And he tweeted that the Chiefs would be there next year. Sure enough, Jones and the Chiefs, they faced the Patriots in the AFC Championship game next year. Let's give some okay? respect, too, for the Twitter handle of Stone Cold Jones. Stone Cold Jones. Is terrific. And hey, I love man, and save have, this tweet in quotations after he puts that prediction up. So just wait. So uh, Chad's going to be pulling out the, the, the app and placing some money here. In if a I moment. had any money left in my account, I would do that. I'll bet it. I'll, let's, I'll bet it for you here. And we'll, I'm waiting we'll on Dylan to back. give me a parlay winner before I get some money back. So they, they lose to the Patriots in that AFC title game that year, the following year. So then he pops on Twitter on January 21st, uh, or excuse me, February 3rd, 2019, and says, we will win it next year. That's the following tweet after predicting they would be in the AFC Championship game. We will win it next year. Well, they won. They beat the Bengals. And they win the Super Bowl. And then recently, after watching another, I believe it was the Rams and the Bengals play in the Super Bowl, he then tweets out again, we will be in it next year. This is right after the Super Bowl, and sure enough... This man really gets a gut feeling that is correct all the time while watching the Super Bowl. Jones Stradamus is correct yet again because the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions from last year going into this season with a chance to defend their title. So Beat the Eagles. You ask, what has he predicted? He's predicted he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year in the National Football League, and he did this late last night. I'll win DPOY this year. I don't know about you, but I'm jumping on top of this uh, because he was third or fourth, I believe, in the votes this past season, and there's no reason to think from the interior defensive line position that he plays that he can't dominate to the level that we saw, for instance, Albert Hainsworth back in like 2006, 2007, maybe 2008. There's a two-year period, 2008 also, where he was the most dominant player totally on dominant. defense in the league. Chris Jones is right there. He's that guy uh, with Aaron Donald and Jeffrey Simmons. But Jones is getting paid and continues to get paid and is just as dominant. But he plays for the Chiefs where everyone's talking offense in a league that talks offense. He can win this award. And it's not like he's the favorite either. Uh, but I would jump on it and say, the guy's pretty good at predicting the future, specifically the team he plays for and how he's going to play. So I don't care what the odds are, I would take them. His odds right now, I just placed $5 on it at FanDuel. Yep. Hutton, he is plus 3,000. Perfect. To win it. Who's he, number one right now? Micah Parsons, okay. plus 650. Miles Garrett, plus 700. TJ Watt, plus 800. Nick Bosa, plus 1,100. Sauce Gardner, plus 1,300. Max Crosby, surprisingly enough, plus 1,300. Aaron Donald, plus 2,000. Brian Burns, plus 2,200. Notice I'm still going to get down to Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. Hassan Reddick, plus 2,500. Aiden Hutchinson, plus 3,000. Chris Jones, plus 3,000. He'll be in the mix. Yep. Quentin Williams, plus 3,000. Then you go down to Joey Bosa, plus 3,500. 
$5 wins you $150. I just placed that bet, and I had $12 left in my account. <laughs> I now have $7 well, left. And you're going to stare at that bet for months. Yeah, I'm going to forget. I'll completely forget about it. I'll, oh, you're right. When you go to your active, yeah, active you bets. You see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the biggest Chris Jones fan in America now that that Me bet too. has been placed. I'm a huge fan of Micah Parsons. You bring him up. I feel like when I read his quotes, I don't like him as much. But when I hear him say it, I'm on board with it. Yeah. You know there, what I mean? There is an, a, an odd uh, ability for it's like the a promo word quote yeah. to not work. Then you see the person and how they deliver it and you believe them. Yes. And it's a lot more likable. And it can be the inverse of that also. You can read a quote that looks good, and then you hear the person talking about it, communicating it, and it doesn't feel as good. Uh, Colin, I'm with you on Micah Parsons. Uh, Colin, on our end, I'm gonna—I'm not trying to put him on the spot, but if he finds the audio of this in the next seven or eight minutes, that's cool, because uh, you can hear it after I give this quote. But here's Micah Parsons uh, yesterday, and he's discussing uh, opponents trying to stop him or game planning for him. And the quote is, Ted, if you go to a safari... You see buses pull up on lions, and the lion never flinches. Why? Because they're king. They're not going to flinch. Please come visit. You're more than welcome. I'm okay with feeling uncomfortable. That's how you evolve. Uh, at Micah Parsons, who is like moving positions or is actually going to lock down more often at a single position, at least that's, the, that's the, in theory what they're discussing in Dallas, he is dominant. I love watching the guy play. Uh, if I'm reading quotes, I think, man, this guy's arrogant. You know. Meanwhile, when I hear it, I'm like, I sign me up. I want this guy on my defense. And offensive coordinators are terrified of him. He needs to not go through the stretches like four or five weeks without recording a sack. He's still, I mean, he's being doubled. Yeah, he's, but he's, he's going to win defensive player of the guys. year. At the, he's he's favored for a reason. If he just stays consistent throughout like the month of November is where he had a bad stretch last year, he's going to win this award. He's one of those guys that everyone accounts for, and there's not a ton of those guys across the league. There are guys you need to know where they are and that you, they may get a double team, but those guys are pretty few and far between. So he's, he's getting the extra attention of every offense he faces. So that shows his greatness. Yeah, Nick Bosa, uh, same way. But again, locked down to one specific position, may move over side to side based on you know the, the terrible tackle that may be playing. Here's Micah Parsons, Chad, based on the quote I just read. To me, it just resonates better when you hear him say it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Come, you want him to come. If you go to a safari, you see buses. They all pull up on lines. They don't flinch. Why? Because they're kings. You know, I'm not gonna flinch. Please come, come visit. You're more than welcome. I'm, I'm okay with feeling uncomfortable. I mean, I just, I like that it's just kind of on the fly. He was very calm. It was yeah. sort of the opposite of Again, a Ray very, Lewis Very rant. conversational. It, when I read it, it feels very rehearsed, right? And yeah. with that, it's just very conversational. Like, bring it on. I'm well, alive. I read it in the tone and manner of Ray Lewis yeah. saying something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, he's almost, you know, uh, on the... Yelling but whispering. He's on the pulpit. He's at church, <laughs> and he's delivering a sermon. Yeah. Right, yeah, you know the, yeah. the the lions don't flinch, and you going into all that. Like I, I, I feel it like a dramatic reading, and then when Michael Parsons, you hear the audio of it, he's just very calmly saying, yeah, "Lions don't flinch at buses. I'm fine. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable." Chad, you know, uh, yesterday we mentioned that uh, the Bears are uh, getting uncomfortable with whether or not they're going to get a deal done based on the the property they purchased at Arlington Heights. 
with the racetrack because that's where they want the new stadium to go. But based on the new survey, taxes are going to go up on property from like two and a half million to like 17, 16, 17 million dollars annually. And it doesn't sound like, based on what we've seen and read from Kevin Warren, the new president of the Bears, that the, uh, the, the city's coming down off that. I know that they're going to continue to negotiate and come back to the, uh, the drawing board and eventually get a deal done because Aurora, uh, Illinois, is already putting their name in the hat to you know, allow the Bears to, to build a stadium. They, they want their town, their city represented. Uh, this tells me that we will see things get done at the track that uh, the Bears purchased back in February for like $200 million. Funny how that I, works I'm, out, right? I'm very, I'm very torn on... We've seen some movement back to suburbs mm-hmm. with teams. The Braves come to mind, you know, going to – you saw this a lot in the 60s and 70s where teams, instead of building downtown, would build close by on a lot of land they could get for cheap. Uh, the Pontiac Silverdome, as an example, you know, outside of Detroit, Michigan. I, I like Chicago being in Chicago. I like the Chicago Bears Me playing too. in downtown Chicago. In the oldest stadium. I don't know what I feel about, you know, Aurora, Illinois, or anywhere else – Hosting them. And when I think of Aurora, Illinois, I, like a lot of people, think of Wayne's World. Because that is the setting for Wayne's World. They're on local public access in Aurora, Illinois, on that show. Uh, I don't know that I want the Chicago Bears playing in the home of Wayne's World. And that Wayne's World cast was probably there watching uh, the, the Bears, like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen would go watch the Bears practice. Do they get Mike the Myers day? and Dana Carvey uh, there to for the first game? You know, like it's the, the wearing Bears jerseys that they, they wore. They have the end zone section for them instead of the players. It's yeah, you know, it's it, Wayne's uh, Wayne's World is actually the that's the it's like having the like their know, the, own the, the luxury area. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but it's like the or the, the cheap seats. The yeah. cheap seats could be Wayne's World, and they wore the Chicago Blackhawks jerseys during the movie. Also, you know, you could bring that back. It's well said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know I I don't I don't feel a big affinity for uh, Aurora Illinois other than that movie which was very well done. No, but the Bears will play this up as negotiating leverage, yeah. and they and they should and they'll get it done because the NFL always wins. Should also say I'm also a fan of the SNL sketch, not just the movie. It's spawned from the sketch. Both are very good. I mean, city to city, for the most part, the the NFL owners and they it's an art form. They privatize the profits and the spending and the cost goes to, you know, the public finance of things. There you go, Chad. There's there the, it is. That, that was some quick work right there by, well uh, by Tyler and our, our crew. Yeah. Who's back there today? You never see them. Brian Albany's Ty- back there. Albany's. Of course he's back there. Brian Albany's and Tyler. He's probably Tyler toured Castle the set or the, the, the filming location of Wayne's world. I bet Ryan Albany's is now going to pull a picture from that cul-de-sac where that uh, front yard hockey game was taking place in Wayne's World, where he's visited. It's probably his next time. Unless it was like the Fox lot out in L.A. or something. Yeah, I don't know where it was filmed. It probably was filmed in L.A., but uh, I feel like you, he could have knocked off Wayne's World when he did his Home Alone tour. That Albany's could have done both. So many Chicago movies you could hit if they're actually filmed in Chicago. It was filmed in L.A., according to Google. Of course. Set in Aurora, filmed in California. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> like so, so, many of our, so many of our favorite... Uh, <laughs> Our favorite TV shows and movies. Yeah. I really do hate it, though, when you have the show that's supposedly set somewhere. Oh, and it looks so great. Here, here's one that always got me was um, This Is Us on NBC. Yeah, where was that? Fan of that drama. It was supposed to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, I mean, it was so clearly Los Angeles. 
Like, there was no doubt about it. Like, every time they'd go out in the country to the cabin, it was like in the mountains around L.A., you know, the barren <laughs> landscape. And I'm like, this is not Pittsburgh, PA. There, no one is buying that at all. The, the block they lived on, you know, you could almost see a palm tree in the background. It was terrible. Well, the, 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 the worst part, though, is like, I wonder how many times Albanese has tried to go and look up or tour a spot for his YouTube channel. Oh, come to find out it's just made in like this, you know, this yeah. cavern. Uh, much like uh, the the scene that the final scene with uh, Jack Dawson and Titanic was in the middle of a you know a massive shed slash barn. Yeah, Albany's uh, where they bring in the his, water. His YouTube videos when he's just inside a big airplane hangar on the Paramount lot probably won't get as many clicks <laughs> as the oh, ones when he's out in front of the, the McAllister house from Home Alone. <laughs> Or he's out in the... With the owners of the home who are shooing him away. He's in Get this, out of here. This is our private home that we next, purchased. He's next to a lock in Scotland for Braveheart instead of inside some huge studio somewhere. That still gets me. The owners of that home hate the tourists. I'm like, why do you live there? Why did you buy this sell. house? Sell the home. You could sell it for a lot of money. You could sell that home and go down the block and stay in the same neighborhood and buy another you're, home. You're begging, and you would have just, people you're, there. You're asking to be pissed off. It's yeah. like your fetish. You love being upset and mad at the world if you buy that home. What am I going to do this weekend? I'm going to sit on my front porch and get mad at people who come and take pictures. Stay on the public property. Stay on the sidewalk, not my lawn. Coming up, headlines including Cohen with the Mets and suspensions in the NFL.